Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the first official episode of Talking Terror of the Year 2020. We're so glad to have you here on this New Year's Day night episode of the show, where we're going to be talking about 1975's Race with the Devil, directed by Jack Start, starring Peter Fonda and Warren Oates. This is the Mad Monkeys pick. The Doc and the Ghoul had to bow out for this one, so it's just going to be me and the monkey, but luckily... The Mad Monkey just pulled up outside of the studio in a brand new Vogue RV, complete with television, radio, microwave, oven, and a Roman bath. So we are riding inside of this episode. Thank you so much for the weird, cool ride, Monkey. Yeah, rolling in style for this episode. Hey there, Fright fans. Like the ghoul said, it's a new year. It's a new decade. It's a new you. It's a new us. New talking terror. It's going to be bigger, badder than ever. Uh, so strap in, folks, and let's just have a good time with this. Right. <laughs> Meantime, we're going to sit there and polish, polish up the rims on this RV and get this bad boy rolling. <laughs> Hell yeah. Looking forward to it. We're going to be talking about Race of the Devil later on in the show. I know all of you out there might have some New Year's resolutions, whether it be to lose weight or to do something else. But you know what I say? Just fucking be you guys. Do whatever you want to do. You want to get fat? Get fat. Get sexy with it. You want to get skinny? Get skinny. You know, be the best version of you that you possibly can. It doesn't matter. Fuck the resolutions. They don't work anyway. Just do what you want to do. That's what I have to say. Yeah, you love you. You know, hey, you know, you touch yourself, touch yourself. It's all good. We're not judging here. <laughs> But yeah, it is New Year's, and cool cool thing was I got got to have the king over for New Year's Eve. It was awesome time. Uh, we we got to introduce the king to virtual reality for the first time on the PSVR, mm-hmm. where we introduced where we introduced King to a Resident Evil VR game. Got to strap him, put him into the actual world of, <laughs> of Resident Evil in VR mode. Uh, I was. And, dude, I just got to say, it was fun to watch you be nervous as hell as you were strapped into this environment with your headset on, your earbuds in, <laughs> surround sound all around, and you just trying to creep around this scary-ass house <laughs> for 30 minutes yeah. to tr- trying to find your way out. <laughs> ah, man, yeah, first time in VR, I couldn't fucking believe it because uh, Ian, your boy, you know, he gave me the headset, and he puts it on, he's strapping it on, he goes, here's the controls. Oh, by the way, here are the earbuds. I'm like, earbuds? And all of a sudden, I can't hear anything except for what's happening in the game. And I'm fucking scared. Going, Where the fuck am I? I can't see anything except for this house. There's somebody going to come out like a leather-faced motherfucker coming out of this house, and he's going to chop me to pieces, and I'm not going to know what's happening. And I can't hear anything except for what's happening in the game. And I was just terrified. So I'm sure that the ghoul and the diva, I mean, not the ghoul, uh, monkey, you and the diva, and Ian were having a great time. Not so much me. I was scared the entire time. 
I, I was having a great time watching you play. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> just it was great to just see you nervous and just be able to you know talk shit. You yelling over, going, "Come on, King of Hard, you got this." <laughs> just watching you creep around, but you know, but that's the thing about uh, playing virtual realities, uh, especially the PSVR setup, was um, you know and getting you in there and trying it out and just how much it really immerses you into the world of VR. And it, it was just, you know, one of many fun things that we did last night on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. No, it was a ton of fun and I highly recommend it uh, for anybody out there who has not done anything VR-wise with the PS4, uh, especially Resident Evil, if you're a horror fan. Uh, I think that was Resident Evil Biohazard, uh, what we had played. And, yeah. man, such a good time. It made me want to be a gamer again. <laughs> Found out how much I missed it playing it last. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was cool. Um, <clears throat> then also, the, uh, the king got a belated Christmas present from my son <laughs> on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, that is something else I wanted to talk about because I know that you had mentioned like a week or so prior that he had got me a little something for Christmas. So I'm like, oh, that's nice, a little sweet gift, you know, a little something that he found. You know, and I I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what to expect. So I'm like, oh, it might just be like a little comic book or something like that, you know, because he he gave me that uh, Ghost Rider from Hell comic book uh, that I loved that I still have on my shelf. Um, But, yeah, uh, you know, Monkey hands me a box that just has all this fragile handle with care tape around it, and it's got blood seeping out from the top. So I'm like, all right, what is this? Because this doesn't seem normal, (laughs) but I'm going to go with it. And I'm thinking about seven the entire time, what's in the box, what's in the box. And I go to open up the box, and there looking back at me is a 1974 Leatherface Hunter mask. Uh, if you've ever seen 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's the first mask that he wears in the movie when he kills Kirk and he kills Jerry and he kills Pam. That's the mask that he's wearing. Uh, Trick or Treat Studios, quality fucking mask. I could not believe this. Everybody that listens to the show knows how much I love Leatherface, so to get this mask, I was like, this is the prize possession now. Brood poster, step aside. <laughs> Leatherface Mance just took over. Oh, the brood poster got bumped to the side. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will take a picture of the mask, and I'll put it on the Talking Terror page after we broadcast the show, after we're done. I'll take a picture of it because the monkey, being the collector that he is, told me, why not we go to Michael's or AC Moore on New Year's Day and pick up a styrofoam head. For that mask to make it look really nice and that styrofoam head is brilliant because it really does make the mask look good right on my coffee table it's a good talking piece <laughs> yeah it's sitting right there it's just you know it's family now just <laughs> hanging yeah. out while we watch wrestling <laughs> <laughs> leatherface could watch with us because the saw is family after all so, yeah, I couldn't thank you and Ian enough for that mask because that means everything to me. So I cannot wait to put it on and be Weatherface this year for Halloween. You know, uh, the monkey knows how many times I've said I want to be Weatherface for Halloween. Never did it, but now I can finally have a reason to do it. So I can't wait. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's see here. Um, before we get into horror nerd news, just real quick, wanted to take a moment to wish our lovely co-host, the ghoul of Geek Keith, um, a happy birthday because his birthday was this past week. I heard he had a great time. He got some awesome swag. So just excited that he had a, a great birthday. 
Yes, happy birthday, Ghoul. You can't be with us tonight, but you'll be with us next week. So if you're listening, happy birthday. Mm. We hope it's another good year ahead for you. Mm. And we hope it's another good year for Talking Terror in 2020. Let's do this. New yeah, terrors, yeah. new friends, new up. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, uh, you uh, and The Mandalorian, the season finale, you watched it. What did you think? And do you think that next season's going to be good? Uh, sadly, yes, this is the last episode, dude. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's, yeah, it's over. The fu- The ride was really fun. I had, a, I had a really good time watching this, man. I really did. Um, but, yeah, for the episode, it wrapped up nicely, but at the same time left a bit of a cliffhanger. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, spoilers, because <laughs> I'm getting ready to talk about this shit. Okay. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> this is great from the opening. <laughs> Straight up from the opening, uh, we have this awesome, awesome <laughs> opening five minutes of two biker scouts um, that are just hanging out with each other with Baby Yoda because they've captured Baby Yoda, um, and they just want to look and see the Baby Yoda, but one of them is like, no, we were given instructions not to, <laughs> um, and they're just being like just – like it seems like an off the cuff kind of thing of them just ad libbing this entire conversation because mm-hmm. it's just them sitting on their bikes with Baby Yoda hanging in a sack and they're just talking shit to each other like they're just uh, super laid back just talking crap to each other like you've never heard stormtroopers do before it was so awesome it was almost like watching uh, one of those episodes of Red versus Blue back in the day where it was the um, bits and uh, video bits and pieces from ha- the Halo video game, <laughs> but then voiced okay, over. Right. <laughs> uh, so it was just fu- it was it was just funny as shit, man. And <laughs> they see a can sitting off on the distance, like just a tin can. So they put, you know, so they're bored waiting for their orders, and they pull out their guns and start taking shots at the tin can, and and none of them can hit anything. So. <laughs> And, you know, you get to a point, you know, they're shaking the guns, trying to figure out if there's something wrong with the guns or anything like that. It was just a, gr- a great joke about how stormtroopers can't hit anything. So I was just laughing my ass off. Um, but IG-11 shows up, starts kicking ass all over the place. Uh, it just becomes, a, you know, a major powerhouse in this last episode because he's been reprogrammed to babysit. So he's there. No longer as a, a droid to hunt down Baby Yoda, but you know to serve and protect, and he does so with extreme vengeance. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and man, and the Mandalor. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian and his group uh, make make their way through, through into the sewers. <clears throat> excuse me. And they're trying to work their way through. They come across the scariest R2 unit I've ever fucking seen. Um, but unfortunately, things go wrong. And they do the one thing I was really hoping they wouldn't do. And we actually get to see what the Mandalorian looks like. Um, oh, and uh, and I was really hoping that they weren't going to do that. I didn't think it was necessary. I, like, they could have... Like, I was really upset that they did this because they easily could have done this yeah. with um, side shots, you know, d- different camera angles, anything rather than what they decided to do. I, I didn't think it was necessary, and it. I think they should have just left the mystery 
alone. They they really shouldn't have shown what the actor looks like. Uh, but, you know, hey, that happens. But <clears throat> while, while in the sewers, um, Mando comes across the armorer that was part of his group and issues him his signet because uh, he's now in charge of Baby Yoda, apparently, because this is the way. And he's in charge of Baby Yoda. He's either going to be the dad, <laughs> he's going to be there, pretty much his dad, until he can return Baby Yoda to its own people, or he becomes of age and becomes a Mandalorian himself, because, this again, this is the way. But we have some, you know, some kind of tear-jerking moments of stuff going on here and there. But finally, uh, Mando earns himself a jetpack. So, you know, yay, he now has the the full, full Mandalorian armor, 100%. But Gideon once again shows up being a badass Imperial motherfucker and just going around and wrecking wrecking havoc. We have a showdown between Gideon and the Mandalorian, which causes Gideon to get out of the picture for a little bit and the good guy and Ma- Mando and the y- Yoda leave the planet <clears throat> while Karga and Dune stay behind to try and forge a new bounty hunters guild but then Gideon comes out with a fucking dark saber which from what I understand is supposed to be an old old Mandalorian artifact like this is like some like you know anti lightsaber mm. shit, um, okay. which is why they were once, which is why they were once enemies with the Jedi. These were their their weapons while the Jedi had lightsabers, and so you know makes you curious. You know, is he maybe Jedi? Is he maybe Mandalorian? You know, <laughs> unfortunately, we're gonna have to wait until season two, which will air. From what I understand, this fall, so apparently they're rushing production. They're getting stuff going on. Uh, hopefully, they won't rush it too much and actually take their time with some storytelling and keep some solid storytelling going on while still keeping it a fun ride. But but for season, but for season one, I had a great time. The diva had a great time. <laughs> Ian had a great time with it. Anyone who's watched it loves it. If you have not had a chance to check this out yet, please check it out. If you're a Star Wars fan, do yourself a favor and just check out this miniseries. <laughs> all right. I was going to say, if you are a Star Wars fan, it's not something I'll be checking out, but I do appreciate all the constant streams of Baby Yoda memes. <laughs> That's just so much. <laughs> when is it going to end? Probably never. It's probably never going to end. It's so Baby Yoda fucking memes. cute. <laughs> I know. I know you love it. <laughs> it's a lot of Baby Yoda memes. Uh, even uh, Todd McFarlane, uh, creator of Spawn, got into the fun with it, and he created the nativity scene with Baby Yoda using the Violator and Spawn action figures to step in for Jesus and uh, Mary and all these people. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I saw that. <laughs> yeah, because it actually had um, the, the Archangel Spawn, the Violator, a couple other Spawns in there. Yeah, it, it was Todd McFarlane having some fun. Probably trying to get those hashtags in there as well. Being, hey, I'm still around, guys. <laughs> I'm relevant. I'm cool. You guys have respond. It's awesome. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, going from that to Harley Quinn, 
Uh, I don't know when the season finale for Harley Quinn is going to be. It seems like they're still premiering episodes every Friday on the DC Streaming Network. Uh, last week's episode was uh, her trying to find her perfect lair uh, and going into her own mind while getting Suicide Squad T-shirts being given to her because for some reason they just want her in the Suicide Squad. So everybody gets oh, the shirt. Yeah. And, yeah, that was fun. That was awesome when the crate shows up. <laughs> and King Shark was all excited about the T-shirts. Oh, look, they got shirts in all sizes. And I mean all sizes. <laughs> and then next scene, he's he's standing there with a Suicide Squad shirt on. And everyone's like, what's, what's Suicide Squad? And, you know, I guess Harley is now starting to establish herself. And, you know, the joke is, yeah, it's some group that keeps trying to get me to join them. But, you know, I don't want to be part of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's the running gag throughout the entire episode of when they go into Harley's mind, they all kind of pass out and they enter the stasis period inside her head. So when the landlord enters to evict them, they all think they're dead. So it's like, oh my god, they were a part of a suicide squad, <laughs> and they all kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was another. It, it, yeah, and <laughs> not another mass suicide in one of his apartments. You know, Saul's not digging yeah, this. Another. <laughs> So he calls in a favor. Oh yeah, yeah. But then he calls in a favor because apparently he still has mob connections or something like that. And say, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got six bodies. We, we got to get rid of. <laughs> so we got to take him to an abandoned mall and put them into a pizza oven incinerator so he can get rid of all the evidence of all these bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another yeah. moment that I really enjoyed when they go into Harley's mind. And they run into little versions of Harley as a kid. King Shark sees one crying. He's trying to take sympathy on the little girl. He's like, oh, come on, little girl. What's wrong? You know, we'll help you out. And then she turns on him. He goes, oh, my God, this little girl's trying to kill me. She's trying to kill me. Why is she trying to do that? Harley's like, yeah, I was a pretty mean little shit when I was a kid, too. <laughs> so probably doesn't help. It was just it was yeah. a wild ride. But, again, it was an episode that I feel had a good message again. And I feel like this Harley Quinn, as funny as it is, has good messages. And this is one of her finding out that she willingly jumped into a vat of acid for the Joker. She thought that she was pushed. Mm-hmm. You know, she had in her head the entire time that she was pushed. And when she found out the truth, she created her own origin story by kicking the shit out of the Joker and saying, I'm Harley fucking Quinn. And Harleen Quinzel, really, that's what you got? Harley Quinn, real original Joker. <laughs> and just kicking his ass. And making her own origin story, where she's a badass motherfucker, and she's not going to step in anybody's way except her own. I thought it was a great message for people. Yeah, and again, she created her own origin story because, yes, that might have been, you know, jumping into the vat of acid was the origin of um, Harley from the animated series, the the, uh, 90s animated series. Sorry, but this is now Harley's – yep, but this is now Harley's origin now – for her newest version, her new self of her trying to discover who she is, you know, and how she can right. be strong on her own. She doesn't need, you know, to be dependent on anyone, and she can be her own person and rewrite her own story because her past does not define her, and she can write her her own future now and be a strong woman mm-hmm. without without a damaging relationship like there was with the Joker. Yeah, it's a great message. You know, through all the comedy, they do have some good messages in there, too, about finding your own way, being your own person. So I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I don't know when the season finale is. 
I know there's a new episode coming out on mm. Friday, so I'm definitely looking forward to checking that out. Mm. Um, but speaking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, that we had talked about at the top of the show, uh, on March 29th and March 30th of this year, uh, as part of the Onset Cinema events, there's going to be a screening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the home where they filmed the original film. So you're going to be able to really? flip over and watch the movie in this house. There's going to be barbecue. There's going to be games. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be people dressed up like Leatherface and their family. Uh, so if you are interested in this, you can go to MyersHouseNC.com slash Onset Cinema for full details. This is something that I might actually want to do if I can get my check on time from the government when I file my taxes. <laughs> but we'll see how fast that goes, how slow it goes. But if I can get the money together in time, this is something I would definitely want to go do because going to that house in Kingwood, Texas, and watching that movie and sleeping overnight in the house, that's like a dream come true, I think, for any horror <laughs> fan or a weather fan. And is is this uh, anywhere near that gas, the gas station you were telling me about? Uh, the gas station is in Bastrop, Texas, uh, where they have the barbecue oh, okay. uh, gas station. So it's not far from Kingsland. Uh, it's, you know, maybe like 15, 20 more minutes, I think, uh, from Bastrop. Oh, okay. I could be wrong on that. Somebody, I'm sure, will correct me, you know, and tell me, no, it's like an hour away, dude. <laughs> so all I know is that, yeah, the gas station's in Bastrop. The house uh, originally was near there, but then it got moved to uh, Kingsland where it became a restaurant. So you could actually, I mean, it wasn't really a big Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. It was more so like a nice little inn where you could eat. But everybody knew what that house was. This is the Leatherface house. Oh, okay. So a lot of people would go there just to eat, just so they could say that they actually had a meal in the Leatherface house from that 74 <laughs> film. But now they're uh, doing this whole sleepover thing. And they did it previously uh, with Scream about a year ago, where you could have yeah, a did. sleepover at Randy Meeks' house. And they did another one for Friday the 13th, Part 7. I want to say either Part 6 or Part 7, where you could actually sleep on the campground, where they filmed it and see the movie and kind of hang out. So these events are cool. You know, I mean, I've never been a part of one, but I've seen pictures and, and what goes on. And, you know, again, if you're a horror fan and you know these places, it's like the perfect dream destination. I mean, why go to Miami for a vacation? Go to a horror location. Have a sleepover. Hang out with other people like you. I love this shit. I, mean, I can't think of a better way to spend a vacation. Yeah, and that's that's the great thing about these horror movies is to be able to find the the actual places where these things were shot, you know, because uh, like when you went to that restaurant where um, <clears throat> that Tom Savini movie was filmed, and you were just having a ball, just just hanging out there, yeah. you know, going, going, you know, hey, did you know a horror movie was filmed here? And everyone was like, no, we don't care. But still, yeah, the no. fact that you know you're you're there on the set, you know. Same thing with going to the Monroeville Mall, you know, or the cemetery, you know, is the fact that, you know, some of these places still exist, you know, by the dock, the, the lighthouse where the fog was filmed, you know, that mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. To be, to be able to actually <clears throat> visit actual places where these movies were filmed because, you know, a lot of these movies were created on sets and stuff like that, you know, used in real places. And it's awesome when you can still find those places still around, dude. Yeah, um, and they, uh, the hotel where that was filmed, uh, The Prowler, Joseph Zito The Prowler, uh, that's in Cape May, New Jersey, for anybody that's interested. Um, the hotel is still there. It's intact, exactly the same as it did back in the 80s when they filmed it there. And they actually did a screening not that long ago of The Prowler. It wasn't an on-set cinema event, but it was just an event put on by the hotel. 
um, where you could eat and watch the movie and just kind of be a part of history. Um, but, yeah, when I went, nobody knew. Went, really? Was a slasher movie filmed here? <laughs> that's kind of cool, I guess. I'm like, yeah, but this is the right here where we're sitting. This is where the girl got killed. I was like, it's perfect. Like, that's great. Uh, what do you want to order? I'm like, oh, but that's right. That's right. With my girlfriend's family. I pretend like I'm normal. And I'm not taking pictures every fucking hallway. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's just incredible when you get to go to these. So like you said, with the Monroeville Mall, and you just step foot in the Monroeville Mall, and you're just like, fuck, this movie, Dawn of the Dead, was filmed here in 1978. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a part of history right now, standing in the same place yeah. that Romero stood when he made his film. Yeah, it was awesome. It's, you know, it's <laughs> same thing. But, go, um, go to jo- go go to Jonestown. You know, <clears throat> check out the Exorcist steps. You know, they're there too. You know, those kind of things. Georgetown. Uh, same. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Jonestown. Same line. Jonestown, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> go to Jonestown. Same thing. Go it's like. Kool Aid's great there. <laughs> Kiss seconds if you can. <laughs> Don't mock me, King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, what were you saying? About the cemetery, <laughs> like say, Old City, Georgetown Steps, and all yeah, that. Yeah. Classic iconic. Yeah, movies. but. Yeah, and you know, and then uh, you know, speaking of steps, same thing with the the Joker steps, where people are now going there and you know having fun up and down those steps, taking pictures. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, just mass hysteria <laughs> with these steps. Um, and actually, speaking of the Joker, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about with that Top Dolph movie. There was an original ending that was don't believe it was shot, but it was in the script that Kevin Smith actually talked about recently in a podcast. Um, where they said that the original movie with the Joker, uh, it was going to end with him in the mental hospital, and he's going to be talking about that joke and how you wouldn't get it. They were going to cut back to yep. the scene of Thomas and Martha Wayne being shot to death, but it was going to be Joaquin Phoenix's Joker that did it, who shot both of the Waynes in that alleyway. And as Bruce is on the ground mourning his parents, Joker turns around and blows him away too. And the movie ends. Credits. So there is no fucking Batman. Like, I, my mind would have exploded if I had seen that ending. If they had gone that way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that would have been a great like kick in the balls, you know. As far as like, nope, nope. <laughs> this is definitely not a Batman movie. <laughs> for all of you who think this is gonna later tie, for all of you who think this is gonna later tie into a DC multiverse thing, nope, not happening in this one. <laughs> No. And it's the ultimate punchline, literally, with the Joker, to not only kill Thomas <laughs> and Martha Wayne, but also kill Bruce, which leads there to be no Batman, you know, no Dark Knight in Gotham, which I thought would have been I, – I, I, yeah, I think it would have been a great way to end it, but I don't know. You know, it's, it's one of those things where maybe it wouldn't have played out as well with audiences to see a little kid get shot to death by Joaquin Phoenix. Might have been a little tough. Yeah, but at the same time, this isn't a kid's movie, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not a family movie. You know, this, this is a movie for messed up people who, you know, realize that there are other messed up people who understand them, you know. <laughs> and uh, plus, you know, with all of 
you know, being bogged down with so much Batman crap lately. And again, you know, like we talked about when we first talked about the Joker, you know, fucking Crime Alley, the you know, the gunshots, the pearls, you know, we fucking know this shit, you know. And those of us who've seen it over and over and over again are so fucking tired of seeing it, you know. And I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, if they had done that shot with that ending, I think it would have been a great just, you know, loving little, you know, Fuck you to all the directors before us. You know, <laughs> yeah, we put it in there, but we're doing our own thing. <laughs> well, yeah. And then there's uh, another story that Todd Phillips just did an interview talking about Joker again and again and again because people still want to know what his mind was at when he was making the script. And he had said that there's a good possibility that Joaquin Phoenix isn't the Joker that we know that becomes the clown prince of crime in Gotham. And I like that because it's a little bit of a tease but at the same time. That movie is so open to interpretation, where he definitely mm-hmm. couldn't be. He could be anybody, just the guy that put on clown makeup one day. Yeah, yeah. It's highly interpretive. You know, again, I've gotten in arguments about with people about, you know, really, it's open to what you think it is. There is no wrong answers. You know, if that's what no. if that's how you think it ended, then great. That's how it ended for you. For me, it ended another way. You know, for someone else, it ended another way. You know, it's and that's the great thing is how it's completely left up to how you personally perceive it. Because, again, messed up people, messed up people. You know, how did you conceive this messed up movie for you? You know, what was your yeah. interpretation of it? You know, and that's what that's why yeah. I enjoyed it. It's such a great way to have that movie where it's not linear, where it's not like we're creating the Joker and that's what's going to happen, and we're also going to see Batman get created too. It's like, no, it could be anything. I mean, this could be any direction. You know, maybe Bruce Wayne doesn't become Batman. Maybe he's so traumatized that he just stays a traumatized kid. <laughs> you don't know. You know, it's open to interpretation. Um, but Scott Derrickson, who is directing the upcoming Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, that was originally being touted as MCU's first attempt at horror. They were going to make this a horror yeah. film um, and really stand by that. But Scott Derrickson recently said that this movie is legitimately scary, but then Scott Foggy went on to say that this is definitely an MCU movie. It's not a horror film. There's going to be some scary stuff in it, but don't worry, guys. It's an MCU movie. And that kind of disappointed me a little bit because I was kind of hoping to see the MCU get a little dark, get a little creepy, get a little scary. But for him to say it's yeah. going to be a little scary, but it's definitely going to be MCU, ah, I don't know. Disappointed. Uh, yeah, man, because they re- were originally promising, like, all of this stuff where it's supposed to be, you know, weird, multidimensional Cthulhu kind of shit going on, you know, where it's going to be dark, it's going to be creepy, you know, it's going to be nothing like you've ever seen before. And we were excited because that was going to be a new approach to the MCU was – the. You know, and we were excited because of them, you know, I, what we thought was going to be them being brave brave enough to go out there and venture out and be creative with the MCU. But it's like, yeah, you know, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, Kevin Feige, in my opinion, is playing it safe. You know, he knows that it was being touted as their first attempt at horror, but at the same time, he knows that young audiences are going to go see this. Kids are going to go see this movie against Doctor Strange. So he's got to put it in there that, listen, yeah, it's going to be scary, but it's not going to be hardcore horror. 
in the MCU. It's going to be very much an MCU movie with Gary Ellis in it. So he's playing it safe from a business standpoint. So I get it. Yeah. Just disappointing yeah, to I, me because I was looking forward to horror film. <laughs> same here. It's just because, again, it's like while he was incorporated into the MCU, it's like, you know, Doctor Strange isn't a, a main stable kind of character. You know, he was always, yeah. you know, he was off always on the, you know, in the wings, you know, do, doing what he needed to to help people, <laughs> other main characters in, in the MCU doing what they needed. You know, he was in the back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, behind the scenes uh, do, doing much greater struggles, you know, in different dimensions and stuff like that to make sure that things did not come through to screw up. You know, he, he was this huge-ass interdimensional, like, guardian, if you will, you know, just trying to keep stuff square. Well, you know, if other people want to sit there and punch each other and throw taxis at each other, you know, that's all on you. I've got all this other bigger shit i got to take care of, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, they always crack me up with with, the, with those type of things where it's like, yeah, we got much bigger things to worry about. So it's going to be fine, guys. <laughs> you know, the movie's going to be good. Go see it. It's going to be fine. Um, but you had uh, talked about Mandalorian earlier on in the show, and you said, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, check this out. You know, if you just like the universe, check it out. The other show that the Ghoul and I have been watching on HBO, Watchmen, uh, just had a season finale about a week or two ago, and it was a solid season. From start to finish, it just accomplished everything that you could possibly think of. Um, and people are saying, is there going to be a season two? We're going to see another return. And Lindelof, Damon Lindelof, who created the show, said that he'd like to, you know, if they want to go back for a season two, he wants to go back in, but he wants to do it more in line with American Horror Story or True Detective or another one of those seasons where it's not linear following the exact same characters from the previous season in the same universe, but different characters, different location. Um, I'm excited by that notion because I think that you could definitely open this world up. Um, and I know, Monkey, you said you were hesitant to go watch the series because you thought there was just going to be following the comic book, the graphic novel, and it doesn't. Right. It just takes elements and does its own thing. And that's right. why I love the direction that they could go in because now you've opened it up where you can have these characters like Dr. Manhattan, like Night Owl, like Silk Spectre, but put them in different situations that you wouldn't expect them to be in. And that's just clever story writing. Mm. And that's why HBO's watching mm. nail this. Okay, so you're saying that, like, with this season two, if it does happen, you know, again, um, new new set of cast, new directors, that kind of stuff of just, you right. know, same worlds, just different stories. Right, yeah. Different characters, different stories set in that Watchmen world where these heroes did exist at one point. You know, like the comedian, Rorschach, mm-hmm. and all these characters. Yeah. They existed, mm-hmm. they're going to be referenced, but it's going to be set in that world where you could have a whole new bunch of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Or hold a bunch of Minutemen. You know, it's just it, it can go in any direction, which I really love that they could open up this world. Right, and if they sit there and do that route, then that doesn't mean that they have to, you know, not include anyone from season one. They can still work them in if they want to, if they're still around, you know, and mm-hmm. work them into the series. Still do cameos, you know, just to show how small or big the world is, depending on where they want to go with these characters. You know, as far as you know. What who, what countries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so I'm excited for that. We'll see. Like I said, season two has not been greenlit yet. Uh, Damon Lindelof definitely says he would like to do it. But, yeah, Monkey, again, if you ever find the time, the season's over, so now you can just binge them all. 
Um, I think it was nine okay. episodes total, and it was worth it. It's a fun ride. Just, you know, again, put all that expectation that it's going to be like a Watchmen movie all over again and just watch it as a story that has the characters in it, but they're not a really big deal. Like, it's more about the characters outside of that realm of the original one. Oh, okay. Okay, so, I got you. I think you'll think. Cool. <laughs> so, you know, this is a, a question I'll give to you, and it involves movie props. Um, doesn't matter if it's sci-fi, horror, action, whatever it is, what is a price that you'll put on something that you really want? Like, if somebody said, this is a prop from a movie that you really like, like, think of something off the top of your head. What's a prop from a movie that you would just give anything to have? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. <laughs> just right there. <Okay>. Boom. <laughs> All right. So how much would you pay for it? If it was at an auction. Shit, dude. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying you had that kind of money. I'm saying if you just had unlimited funds. If somebody just oh, said, if you had, had unlimited, unlimited money. Yeah. Yeah. If I had, uh, yeah. If I had unlimited amounts of money, I would already have that fucking lightsaber, dude. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> well, you no, know how us fanboys are. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah like, like something like, like that's my e- question. Easy to, you go to an auction. Easy yeah. to – e- Easy to mm-hmm. – e- Easy $10,000 right there, man. <laughs> $10,000. Easy. So that's what you would pay for. Easy. It. So if it was at an auction and they're like, okay, what's your bid? And you said 10000 So 10000 you can yep. walk away with it. That's what you're saying? Okay. Uh-huh. Me, I mean, I wanted to pose that question to you because recently it came up on Profiles in History. They were listing off a bunch of items that went up for auction that went up for just incredibly high prices. Like somebody paid this to have this particular item. And in the horror genre, the Zuni Hunter doll from Dan Curtis's 1975 trilogy of terror. I don't know if you've ever saw that one, Monkey, uh, with Karen Black. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I, yeah I've got it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, one of Lainey's aunts gave it to me for Christmas two years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the original Zuni doll from that movie went up for auction for guess how much? Throw a price out there. Ten thousand dollars. <laughs> You're really stuck in ten thousand dollar land. No, yeah, it's not ten thousand dollars. Think a little bit higher. Think higher. All right, uh, fifteen. <laughs> higher. We're we're we're. T- we're t- how how could it be higher, man? We're talking about the Zuni doll, which was a made-for-TV yep. movie, which yep. is mm-hmm. not—it's not that popular, man. It's like only us horror fans know this shit. And we're talking about a doll that's about a foot and a half tall, six inches wide. Uh, it's not—it's not even the best sculpt. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not talking about a gremlin. <laughs> we're talking about the Zuni doll. Okay, okay, uh, okay, thirty-two thousand. Higher. Okay, how much does this fucking thing go for? <laughs> yeah, you want to know how much? $204,000. What? Yeah, you heard that right. $204,000 for a prop from that movie, the Zuni doll, that was actually screen used in the movie, went up for auction, and it sold for $204,000. $200,000. Two hundred and four thousand dollars. Two hundred and four thousand dollars. Two hundred and four thousand. Thousand. Not two. Not two thousand four dollars. You're talking. No. What? Two zero four thousand. 
No, man, that, that, dude, that can't be right, man. Because like I, I've seen sci-fi auctions and horror auctions before where the, um, I saw the actual model of the ship from Starship Troopers go on auction, and that thing only sold for like six thousand dollars. And we're talking, and we're talking about a ten-foot-long model of <clears throat> the yeah. ship that was used in Starship Troopers. And you're saying that this little fucker was two hundred four thousand dollars? Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Because according who, to the profiles in history, well, they didn't list who bought it. They just listed the prices that they went for at auction, like what the final auction price was, like what it finally uh-huh. sold for. And there was a couple other items, and from the horror genre, that was the biggest one. You know, that was the biggest bid, and that won that auction for two hundred four thousand dollars. Holy crap! I, so, I, yeah. I can't even wrap my head, or yeah, I can't even wrap my head around this, man. It's like again. Uh, yeah, because again, the movie's not that great. Uh, I'm never gonna pick it for us to cover on this show. <laughs> the show. <laughs> that sculpt wasn't that great. Uh, so yeah, I can't even imagine why someone would spend that kind of money on this thing, man. <laughs> Unless it was maybe. <laughs> Holy shit! So what? Did you have other listings for, for from this auction as well? Uh, on the Talking Terror page, I actually linked the article that did talk about the other uh, items that went. Uh, they just specifically oh, okay. listed horror items. And the one horror item okay. that went for the highest bid was that Zuni Hunter doll from uh, Trilogy of Terror. So they were talking about, like, the highest bids in particular auctions where movie props were available. And for the horror genre, it was that Zuni doll. Because it was just the astronomical oh. price that somebody won that doll for. Yeah, because I'm looking at the article now, man, and yeah, it's not a good-looking figure. Wow, man. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. But somebody said, you know what? I want that for $204,000. So good for that person, whoever you are out there. You know, if you listen yeah. to the show and you have it, if you want to call in and go, why the hell did you have that kind of money to spend? Feel free. Because we'd love to pick your brain. This is what your thought process is. Yes. There's because, a lot of other things in this world that pay $204,000 for and especially if you want to spend that kind of money on horror, you know, we're always looking for a sponsor. So if you want to spend money on horror, you know, yeah, feel free to contact Talking Terror on the Facebook page about sponsorship because we'd love to hear your story and love to take your money. <laughs> <laughs> spend, spend, spend. Um, but going back into uh, maybe one or two more items I have before we get into the movies, I really want to talk about it. Uh, Blumhouse is remaking the craft. Uh, which to me is one of the more classic movies from the 90s. Um, one of my favorites. Uh, got a great cast, got a great story, uh, memorable. Great but soundtrack. They are remaking great soundtrack. Yeah. With uh, I know, Mr. Jones I know you, as director. I know you have made out to that soundtrack many a time, King. <laughs> I have done so many things with that soundtrack back in the 90s. <laughs> when that was a big hit on CD. In cars and basements and homes, yeah. I, I have definitely done a lot of stuff for that soundtrack with a lot of great-looking cop girls. New Jersey was full of them, and I was just in heaven. <laughs> you know. But, so, yeah, uh, Zoe Wester-Jones is going to be remaking it. Uh, it's following the same type of story as the original where a girl comes into a school, she meets a couple of girls around the witchcraft, and then everything ensues. But they're promising that this new one is going to be spooky, timely, and relevant to today's generation. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like the craft isn't that old. I feel like it's not one of those things where it's like, man, it's so dated when you watch it now. It's, I, no, it's 
I don't know. It still holds up to me when you watch it's, it even now. It doesn't feel like a 90s movie, you know, aside from the soundtrack. I think the story is great. I think the acting is great. I don't know. Just not a movie that I would think a remake would do any justice to it. Yeah, I agree, man, because all we're talking about now is just a facelift. Like, we're not talking about redoing the story. We're not talking about doing any of that. We're just talking about a facelift to update it. And that was the thing about this movie. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't really date itself because it wasn't one of those movies where it had a lot of heavy uses of that day's technology, you know, because a lot of the movies at that time, you know, you were seeing beepers all over the place. And stuff like that, and this movie didn't have that. Um, you know, it just had regular phones, you know, be, being used, and but you didn't have beepers all over the place or anything like that. Where it's like, you know, that's so out of date now; it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and it it works; it holds up well. You you can still watch it; you don't feel like you're watching an old ass movie. But you know, maybe that's just us because we grew up watching it, dude. I mean, it's possible, you know, and I know that this generation now is a lot different than the ones in the 90s. Um, but like you had said, The Craft, they don't have a lot of things in that movie where it dates itself about being in the 90s. I would say that Scream uh, from 96 uh, is more guilty of being a little bit dated because of how much they talk about mobile phones. Oh, man, yeah. he's got one of those mobile phones. Oh, you must be using yeah. a ghost phone. We better check his cellular <laughs> records. <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching it now, it's still a good movie, but it dates itself by how much it talks about cell phones, the use of computers, you know, being in a pre-internet age uh, with Sydney having use of it and being able to call 911 by using her computer. You know, it, it dates it a little bit in that in that sense, where the craft doesn't go that way. It's a more traditional story. Well, it's, again, also, it's because they're not getting their research from the internet. Or you know, computer or anything like that. They're getting their research from books. You know, they're going to the bookstore. Mm-hmm. They're hang, you know, like we all used to do as goth kids. Is you know, go to the spooky stores, get the spooky books. You know, oh sorry, you you still do that, King. Sorry. <laughs> how many how many serial killer how many serial killer books do you have? <laughs> oh please, I'm easily like fifty in my house in my apartment right now. Uh, of serial killer books. Psychopath, zero killer, but, America history, all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's what we all did in the you know our little goth ages was hang out, you know, <laughs> pick up the witchcraft books and actually try and use them. You know, making sure you soak, you know, soak clean linens in uh, rose water and <laughs> moonlight and all that kind of shit. You know, because that's how you protect the tarot pack. <laughs> you know, all of that mm-hmm. kind of crap. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was all based on books. Yeah, yeah, and all and all of the witchcraft is also based on old stuff, you know. So we're talking about just kids hanging out in public, you know, public places, you know, hanging out on the beach, summon, summoning this and that, you know, doing ancient spells, you know, and technology is not needed in the film. No, and it does make me wonder how much it's going to be used in this remake. You know, and I, I don't want to joke about it because I do want it to be good because I like the craft. But it's like, how many times are they going to use Google or Snapchat or Twitter to find out about witchcraft and you know, and the research? It and I, I feel like they're going to be reliant on a lot of things that we use in today's day of technology, and that's going to end up dating it. 
Because you're going to watch yeah. it in another it's, 10 years. You're going to be like, oh, remember Facebook? Remember Twitter? Like, you know, it's going to be one of those things. <laughs> well, well, same thing. Like when you just watch movies that are only like, you know, like 10 years old. You know, what, what the fuck is MySpace? There's <laughs> <laughs> my top five. <laughs> yeah. And I put a song in my yeah. page. So, you know, I'm a badass. <laughs> Oh look, he put music on his MySpace page, you know, in the in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old MySpace. <laughs> yeah, but it's put just, my top but, five no, up and my you, top five soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that's a very good point though, is because all the research is going to be doing. Are they going to be doing it on the internet, or are they going to stick to you know doing it traditionally, looking up books, actually talking? to uh, people who are supposed to have knowledge of these things, or are they going to all just wing it, you know, by looking up Wikipedia on how to summon a dark lord? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be relying on that type of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, uh, stores that dabble in the occult and things like that still exist. I mean, there's one in Mannheim that I've been to you know, where they have all the, the pagan decorations and crystals and books and everything like that, so they still exist. But in this day and age, when you have Google, you know, you don't have to go to those stores. You could just go to Amazon and order yourself a box of crystals, you know, or a book on demons. You don't have to go yeah. out and do the legwork like you used to have to do. Yeah, or like that uh, cute little artsy town that's in Jersey along, along the river, uh, little, little Five Points or something like that? Or Yeah, no, yeah that, Little Five no, Points, that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, there, where, again, same thing, hippie stores full of witchcraft and healing and all that kind of stuff where, you know, you have people that you have to actually engage with and talk to them to figure out what's what, you know, and how, how, and, and, and pretty much, you know, uh, cookbook for witches of, you know, what ingredients you need to put the spells together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that uh, I don't know if there's a release date yet on uh, the craft. I know that they fully casted it, so it's been fully cast. David Duchovny is going to be a part of it. Um, I don't know what capacity. I'm assuming he's going to be the father of the girl that comes to the new town. We don't know yet. Um, Michelle uh, Monaghan okay. is going to be in it. Um, so it, it, they have a cast. Um, so we'll see when that release date is going to be. But speaking of witchcraft, I'm going to go ahead and pull the RV over for a quick second because there's a movie for us to talk about tonight from 1975, Race of the Devils, starring – Warren Oates, Peter Fonda, directed by Jack Starrett. This is your movie uh, of the week, Mucky, so why don't you kick us off, and uh, yeah. we'll get this discussion started. Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was not expecting the Hail Satan. Yeah, we're talking about Race with the Devil from 1975, the same year your lovely, lovely Mad Monkey came into this world. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm already feeling ties with this movie. Um yeah, so after years of bad motel rooms and toiling away on the short tracks on the professional motorcycle circuit, Roger and Frank finally have a successful motorcycle dealership, a race team, and a repair shop. To celebrate their success, they decide to take their wives on an RV trip to Aspen for their very first vacation ever. They feel like they've earned this. This is going to be the best vacation ever. <laughs> <laughs> but their vacation soon soon turns into a struggle for survival, for after witnessing what they think is a satanic ritual, they are chased by hordes of evildoers, cultists, and possibly witches as they race with the devil. Race with the devil! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! 
married couple vibe off of the two of them. You know, I just wasn't getting it. You know, and that mm. I, I was getting it off of her, and not so much Warren Oates. Right. Yeah. It, it definitely it, they're not the best couple in the world. Uh, whereas nah. Donna Parker and Peter Fonda work really well as the younger couple. You know, that are along the ride with their dog Ginger. Mm. You know, going to Aspen, Colorado. Um, I definitely felt more like it was that. And Lara Parker, who we had talked about, was in Dark Shadows. She also was a roommate with Jane Fonda back in the 60s when they were in college. So there's a connection to oh, her really? and Peter in this movie. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they had known each other before this movie came out. Um, but what's interesting about this movie is that, it, again, 75, and it's a dated movie. If you've never seen this movie, it is dated in a lot of ways because you get introduced to the RV and a large portion of the beginning of this movie is very much an RV commercial, where they're showing oh, you everything yeah. that this RV can do. It's got a radio of four channels. <laughs> it's got a color TV. It's got a microwave oven. It's got an oven in it. It's got a Roman bath. It's got all these chairs. And we're going to show you exactly what it can do through a montage of the RV driving through streams and going up and down hills. So it's showing it's, you that this is yeah. the Econoline in the 70s. And I just fucking laughed my ass off, though, because it's just, you know, this is Warren Oates' RV, you know, and he's in there, like you said, you know, showing how it can go a little bit off-road and do this and be badass. And I, I was like, oh, man, Warren Oates just can't fucking get away from RVs. He was in this one, and then just five years later, he's going to be in another movie about a badass RV with the movie Stripes, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, hey, this is way better than my Vogue. I mean, the one in Stripes is badass. It's <laughs> the one I had in Race with the Devil. <laughs> but, but I did like the, the relationship between Roger and Frank. Like, I actually bought that relationship as them being best friends. Like, they sold it really well. They got along really well. Um, when they're in the RV heading to Aspen and they pull off the side road, which is fucking red flag number one in your horror movie, don't pull off the fucking main road because you find a road that you feel like you're going to travel down and have a good time. That's how people get killed, but they decide to do it anyway because, mm-hmm. eh, why not? We're going to pull off, or we're going to camp, or we're going to open this up. And I just, I love the scene of yeah. Roger and Frank just getting drunk outside of the RV because I feel like that's something that you and I would do. <laughs> Deep well, inside, well, for, dead, sleeping, well, and we're drinking up. Yeah, but first, they sit there and take their bikes out because, again, they're about motorcycles. So we get to have this scene of them ra- racing their bikes through the countryside, you know, uh, you know, Peter on his Honda, uh, excuse me, Frank on his Triumph, you know, just going around, just racing around on the countryside, having a good time. But at the same time, you can tell that they're still – both racers at heart. You know, they both are. Because um, Frank talks about how it's been five years since he's been on the short circuits. Right. He's, he has then spent all his time, you know, establishing the racing team, establishing the dealership and the repair shop. You know, while uh, Roger, you know, is right now in his prime as far as racing is concerned. So, but they're still both racers at heart, which is why when they have these moments out there, it turns into an actual race between the two of them. To where you know they're racing yeah. each other hard, you know, on, on these dirt roads. Yeah, they're, they're having a great, they're having a great time, but they're you know it becomes a competition. Oh yeah, absolutely does. I mean they put money on it, ten bucks, you know, so yeah. that I could beat you on my triumph. And you know he gave it his best. Mm-hmm. You know I mean he was he was in charge until he just made that error mm-hmm. and wiped out in the water. I felt so bad for him. I was like your bike's in the water. No, 
Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was like, pick up your, yeah, I was like, pick up your bike, man. Your carbs are gonna be soaked. It's gonna take forever for those things to dry. <laughs> mm-hmm. And especially because we get to see Frank, you know, not just be like the salesman and everything like that at his company, but also he's very good with his hands. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows how to fix bikes. He knows how to fix the RV when he needs to fix it. Um, uh, Peter Fonda's bike, you know, is it making the right time. It's being at 17.2, and he's like, well, we shaved it down before. I guess we're going to have to do some more. So you're already seeing that Frank knows his bikes. He knows his cars. He knows everything. You know, he's very handy. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a tool guy. You know, as, as as well as being a racer, you know, this is what established him with the dealership and the repair shop is he's able to take care of it all because he knows it all when it comes to that stuff. But, yeah, back to like you were saying, after they're done with that and the ladies are hanging out inside because they decided – I didn't pick this on purpose, by the way, King, but they're vacationing in January. So, yes, hey, it's a January, it's a January movie, okay? I knew you were going to pick up on that. I hope he does. But, yeah, so they're vacationing in January. And then they make many jokes about why the fuck would anyone call a vacation in January. But the ladies are inside. And, yeah, the the guys are just hanging out outside, sharing a bottle of whiskey, and just enjoying each other's company. You know, joking around, just having a a good time with each other. Just being chill. It (laughs) It just felt so improvised, too. Like, it just felt like they were just doing improv at this point. Like, they weren't actually doing lines in the movie. They were just sitting out there just joking with each other. You know, when Frank's uh-huh. like, you know, man, I just, I really love you, man. I just, I got to say it. He's like, I know, I know. We're cool. We're cool. I like you, too. He's like, no, no, man, no. I got to say it. I got to say this. I really love you. You're, you're like, you know, my best friend. Like, no, it's, it's cool, man. Like, you know, just, it felt oh, so just, man. like they literally <laughs> drank the entire bottle of whiskey. Yeah, because he's like, oh, man, you're drunk. He's like. This is true, but still, <laughs> you you and your wife are good people. <laughs> yeah. And with that, they hear some chanting in the forest, and they decide to do what everybody in the horror movie does. We got to check out what that noise is. Got to find out what's going oh, on. Oh yeah. Because we got to figure should, it out, man. That's just a weird yeah, chant. We, yeah. Should we maybe just mind our own business and go back to the RV? No. This is this is a horror movie. We're white. We go check stuff out. <laughs> Bring the Don't binoculars. Don't forget the binoculars. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have to see it at a distance because that fire looks awfully uh, far. We've got to check out what's going on. Hey, look at this. Everybody's in cloaks, and they're all mm-hmm. dancing around. Look at that. They're showing their tits. Oh, man. What are oh. those beauties? Oh, I think it's an orgy. Uh, is it maybe an orgy? I don't know. Let's let's just keep let's just keep passing the binoculars back and forth and checking it out. Because you take a turn, I saw some boobs. Okay, you're, since you're my buddy, I'm going to share with you. All right, you take a turn and you check out some boobs too. You know, we're going to keep doing this because you know yeah. it's the middle of the night. We're drunk <laughs> and we see a bunch of naked chicks dancing around, <clears throat> and now we have binoculars to see them better. Yeah, we're going to just keep looking. <laughs> and it's a great scene because you get to see the whole ritual going on where at first it seems just very kind of like an orgy this very 1975 innocuous um, until you have this man coming up in front of the fire wearing a mask and he's got a blade with him and it's like alright what the hell's going on now like what, what is he going to do this is getting kind of out of hand and when they lead that blonde in front of the fire and strip off her cloak and they're picking her body up like, what the fuck are they doing now I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, it's 
trying to make a reason of what's happening, and you ultimately see the blonde get sacrificed in front of the fire, and it leads to the Satanists finding out that they're there and watching, and now they're in a race for their lives. Like now they have to get the fuck out as fast as they possibly can. Yeah, it's because Loretta Swift popped her head up and started yelling, Hey, you guys okay? <laughs> <laughs> Turn the light off. Turn the light off. Turn that light off. Yeah, if, yeah. yeah and Frank's yelling, cut off the goddamn light. And then all of a sudden, all, all of the cultists hear them now and just start rushing like a bunch of ogres at some hobbits, you know, just come running over the hill, you know, with all of their cloaks, you know, flailing in the wind and whatnot. The the naked chicks take off in the other direction. The men chase after the RV. <laughs> but it's it's so great because with this chase, like when he when he's telling his wife to get in the front seat, drive, go go go, because he's fucking drunk. <laughs> he, he can't drive. So it's like drive 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 because these Satanists are after us. He doesn't say that they're after them for whatever reason. But now you get to see it being stuck in the water. You just saw it go through water, so it can, but not this water. This is Satanist water. So it's not going to, you know, go through very easily. Well, so we're going to have to get well, out and were, push. While... Yeah, yeah, and this this entire scene, man, I was nervous as shit for Peter Fonda, man, because yeah. he, he, he cause the tires are spinning all over the place. And whether it's in drive, whether it's in reverse, just tires spinning all over the place, water going all over the place, and his feet are right by those fucking tires. Like his feet oh, yeah. are – yeah, I was like, oh my god, how the fuck did his feet not get sucked up in this thing while doing this shot? Because his feet are mm-hmm. right there, um, you know, they're just rocking the RV back and forth while the tires are just spinning all over the place. I was like, oh man, this is like a wood shop accident waiting to happen. It's just, oh. oh. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is 1975, so it's all practical. This is actually happening in real time. So yeah, there is like a, holy shit, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> Is he really going to get sucked up by that wheel while they're being chased? But, yeah. again, it makes me laugh, though, when you watch it now, when you see these Satanists chasing after them. It's like, when the fuck are they going to catch up to them? Because they can't be that far away. <laughs> they're stuck in this water. <laughs> cut back to the Satanists, puffing and puffing and running and running, getting back in the RV, trying to get out of the water, right back to the Satanists. And these Satanists are not fucking runners. They're, like, vastly overweight with 70s mustaches. Yeah. They are not that yeah, quick. Uh, they are not. <laughs> yeah, all, 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 all looking like Ron Jeremy, you know, pretty, well, yeah. you know, pretty much no, no shirts, you know, just just pants, but their cloaks flying behind like they think they're Superman on, on a playground. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. But, I'm Superman. You know. But I'm Satan <laughs> Superman. <laughs> but, yeah, and it, um, it, you know, uh, they, yeah. they, they eventually get it, uh, you know, unstuck. They get going. But the, but the cultists do catch up to them now, and we start 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 to get them climbing on top of the RV, you know, on, onto the back of the RV, breaking in the windows, the back window and stuff like that, trying to get in to our <clears throat> force of heroes as they're as they're trying to get away, you know. And this is just the, the beginning job. of what great I, stunt work. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm digging it, man. It's like just because again, you know, climbing all over. Moving vehicles and shit like that. All I could think of is <clears throat> stuff, stuff like Road Warrior, you know, Mad Max Beyond yeah. Thunderdome, those kind of movies with those kind of stunts. You know, but this time it's just an RV. But still, I'm having a great time with it, man. <laughs> it's and the, the lighting that they use, the red lights in the back of the vans, 
to kind of eliminate the sinkness. It just it really worked. You know, when they're breaking that back mm-hmm. window open and you have Peter Fonda just bashing them, you know, whatever he could find to get them the hell off the yeah. RV so you could make their escape yeah. and you have people falling off and you have people rolling into the dirt. So these stuntmen really yeah. put it work to make this scene mm-hmm. really look good. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, because we have Roger just beating the shit out of him with what, the only thing you can find. Oh, look, I found the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Let's use the nozzle <laughs> and just start beating the shit out of people. You know, and yeah, it's just, it worked. And, you know, as they're cutting corners, people are flying off, you know, actual people, you know, <laughs> actually rolling. So, again, I'm having a great time with this because we haven't gotten into any dummies yet as far as Not being yet. used for stunts. We will. <laughs> we will. Um, and it's very Not obvious. Yet. But, no. Um, so, with that being yeah. said, they, they roll into this very sleepy town. In the middle of nowhere, it's probably got a population of like 500 people, if that. Um, and they yeah. go to the authorities because of what happened. You know, we're, we're terrified. We're being attacked. Um, and they get introduced to Sheriff Taylor, who right away, if that guy doesn't scream, he's a part of this. Oh. I don't know what else to say. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just so many red flags. It's just <laughs> – but, yeah. Just um, his whole yeah. of whatever. It's just hippies. They probably killed the dog. Don't yeah. worry about it. Just keep driving. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Meantime, we come on in here. Let's get your statement. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's okay, Roger, while you're giving your statement. Go ahead and <laughs> rub your hands all over the gun rack there. <laughs> Even, you know, that's perfectly fine. Said no cop ever. You know. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, these are like no, very cops. You know, they're very similar. Yeah, nowhere. but there, there, there was a shotgun rack right there, and while he's giving the statement, Peter Fonda's walking by and just rubbing each shotgun as he's walking by. I'm like, dude, you don't yep. fucking do that at a cop station. Yeah. But you know, hey, <laughs> yeah. it's the 70s. What do I know? <laughs> and he's Peter Fonda, so Maybe. he just rub whatever he wants. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> But yeah, they take a statement and they're like, you know, <clears throat> getting ready to turn daylight. Why well, don't the ladies stay here? You and I, why don't we go back to the scene? Is like, uh, what? <laughs> what do you mean go back to the scene? Say, <laughs> like, yeah, let's go back to the scene because it'll make it easier to, um, yeah, see if anything's missing. Or, yeah, you can identify what was going on. Again, just really bad, bad moments here. Well, and plus, you, you have uh, when they get to the scene where everything happened and they're investigating, and it's like, okay, there's definitely a fire here. There's some blood. And he's like, yeah, that could be anything, though. He's like, no, it's definitely blood, Sheriff. He's like, well, you say blood, I say whatever. <laughs> but don't you want to collect a sample? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah why don't yeah, you collect a sample and figure it out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then Roger but, but has yeah. the foresight to take them for himself. Like, we're going to go to Amarillo uh, and figure this shit out. We're going to be our <laughs> own police officers. This isn't a Jalo film, but very close to it, with them doing their own police work. <laughs> we're going to scooby-doo the shit out of this fucking movie and figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, and while that's all going on, then Frank comes across, for some reason, a, a dog that's pinned against a tree, just bleeding out all over the yeah. place. You know. And then the cops are immediately like, oh, there's your blood. And it's like, the dog's way the fuck over here, and the blood is way the fuck over there. What do you mean this is the blood? <laughs> yeah, Sheriff Taylor and the yeah. deputy that was with him, they're like, 
Oh, wow. Yeah. There's that dog. Crazy, right? <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's go back to the station. Yeah. And uh, you guys can just carry on your way. Um, when they go to the gas station with the RV, um, to gas up and figure things out. You get the one gas station attendant without all the teeth in his mouth. <laughs> just, uh, well, looks like your back window's broken. Yeah, I don't know. We don't do that thing here, but I could take some plywood and maybe put some glass in there or something. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll do it. I'm in no way to say this, by the way, guys. Just saying. I have nothing to do with what's going on. You're definitely not going to see No way. <laughs> you know. Um, and in no way do, does what, that red pickup truck is that going to show up later either? Okay. <laughs> and this is great because what we had just talked about earlier with the craft and reading books about witchcraft, this is where we get our investigation scene with the wives, where they go into the library and they're looking at books about the occult and about witchcraft and Satanism and how rituals and sacrifices are part of the whole thing. And they want to take out that book. And this is what cracked me up. She's like, well, we'll just check these books out. Oh, with what card? You're just going to go through the yeah. counter and be like, yeah, yeah, check out these books. Yeah. Uh, where's your library card? Okay, we don't stranger. have one. Yeah. 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 Okay, stranger in town. Um, <laughs> sure, you can take our books. Oh, wait. No, you can't because for some reason our occult books are in the reference section that never leave. Even though this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere for some reason has books on the occult. But that's where I had a little bit of problem with this movie is apparently mm-hmm. they did not do their, you know, their explanation about the occult and them looking into it and stuff like that. It's like, oh, look, here it says in ancient Aztec times, they used to sacrifice people so that they could get powers from Satan. Wait, yeah. so you're saying that, that yeah, Aztec that. sacrificed to get powers <laughs> yeah. from Satan? To a Christian guy? Yeah, sure it's, did. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yes, the Aztecs, the Incas, you know, the Mayans, you know, yes, they all sacrificed to their gods, you know, to their gods because some of their gods were blood gods and demanded blood. But it wasn't mm-hmm. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. But it's the 70s, and I'll talk about it a little later about how these movies all kind of came to me. Um, but yeah. if you have but, uh, Kelly talking to the librarian who says you can't check these books out, they're referenced. She goes, oh, okay, well, hey, Alice, why don't you go return the books to where we found them, and then we'll take off, right? Okay, I'm going to return them now, <laughs> walking away. This is me put, putting them back, not, and definitely not <laughs> in my purse. <laughs> no, I'm putting them right back on the shelf, librarian. We're fine. We're going to take off. Hey, okay, have a nice day. My bag definitely doesn't look bigger than what it was when I came in. <laughs> you know. And you have them, again, doing the research, and they bring it up to Roger and Frank, and they're like, well, this is what's happening. Like, there's they're Satanists, and they're sacrificing people. And then you have Roger saying, hey, man, that sheriff, we didn't tell him where that thing happened. He just fucking knew. He just took that turn, and we didn't tell him where that turn was. He took it. Maybe there's something more to these people than we know. And Frank's like, fuck you guys. Aspen, Colorado, baby. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> I don't care about these Satanists anymore. <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Yeah, he was all about, look, we were on vacation. We're going to go on vacation. We're having a good fucking time. So how about we drop this shit and just go on? Because I need a fucking vacation. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know, really. I, he was I never go on vacation. <laughs> and we yeah, also have a I, shot of them I, leaving the gas station and Sheriff Taylor walking outside of the police department and seeing that red pickup truck leave. 
and follow them. And he's like, well, that's crazy. Anyway, hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> you're a part of this. Stop it. Like, you're so bad. <laughs> now, like, th- there so was obvious. one thing. There was one bit, mm-hmm. though, that um, was with Kelly's character um, mm-hmm. because she's the, she's the one who discovered the note of, you know, that was yeah. on mm-hmm. the window, and she, she's the one that yeah. knew that they were runes. And there was also um, a moment when they first showed up to the campground where it seemed like, you know, she recognized the tree almost, if you will, mm-hmm. and the fact that yeah. when they, uh, you know, when they ask about the the runes and you know what's this crap underneath the runes, and she's like, well, that's the spell, you know, that's what that's what the actual spell is, you know. I, I wanted there to be an angle where she had actually at one time been one of these cultists or Satanists or something, you know, and that's how she knew about this and was able to recognize the looks that people were giving her and stuff like that. I, I wanted there to be something in there of at one time she was part of this world. Maybe not this, not, is, maybe not yeah. these specific people, but, you know, knowing of that world and what that stuff, you know, what that stuff entails. Yeah, it's a great point that you bring up because we kind of glossed over it, but she does have this kind of way about her where she kind of sees things that the others don't. You know, when, like you had said, when they first get to that spot before the ritual, she sees that tree and just senses something's off and something's not right. And she's creeped out by it, but just kind of blows it off like it's nothing. But then she discovers the rune note and she knows what it is. So it's possible that she could have dabbled at one point, but they don't really pay it off. Like, they don't really explain it like you would say. They just – she apparently yeah. just knows about this stuff. And, it's, I mean, it's the 70s. She could have read books about the occult at one point or have known people that were into the occult. You know, I mean, it was a yeah. big thing in the 70s, occultism yeah. and witchcraft and magic. Mm. Yeah, you know, and, you know, the, you know, like, like we had talked about earlier, you know, crystals being one with nature, whether it was on the light side or the dark side, you know. So, yeah, you know, like you said, there's a lot of that because, again, c- coming off of, you know, the the hippie rise of 69 and it's starting to mellow out, you know, and then the hippies are turning into to other things, you know, as they find new adventures and things to check out, you know. So, th- yeah, I can totally see what you, where you're going there, King. And it's also, like you had said, the hippie movement of 69 culminating in the murders by the Manson family. Um, back in the summer of 69, and that's also the rise of Anton LaVey, who created his own sect of Satanism, the LaVeyan Satanists, that were very much into witchcraft and magic and the occult. And that was a big thing, even with Rosemary's Baby, uh, with that whole film and how he was a consultant in that film. So LaVey was a big part of the late 60s and 70s with Satanism. It was a big thing. People were really just intrigued by it. and not just with The Exorcist in 73. I mean, there was a glut of movies in the 70s that had to do with Satan. Um, as early as 71 with Blood on Satan's Claw. I mean, this movie alone is in 75. In 75, we have The Devil's Reign with John Travolta, William Shatner, and Ernest Borgnine by Robert Foost. And then we also have Satanico Pandemonium, which was a Spanish film that was about a nun that succumbed to the seduction of Satan. So Satan was a big deal in the 70s. People were really digging these movies because they were showing the dark side that they hadn't experienced before, this power of the occult and witchcraft and magic. 
Yeah, and then, you know, again, you know, so many people, you know, trying to find those, you know, families, if you will, you know, again, after the hippie movements, you know, trying to find new families because of, you know, so many people abandoning their own families, you know, and finding these new homes in these kind of environments. Mm-hmm. So, and in the movie, after they weave the, the gas station and the police department, when they go into this RV park, and they're just like, you know what, we're going to take a breather. It's going to be fine. You know, there's a swimming pool. You know, we'll take a breath, and we're just going to have some fun for a little bit. And then you have Alice and Kelly going to the pool, and it's a great sequence. To me, it's one of my favorite sequences in the movie where you have Kelly starting to notice all these people staring at her. And they're just yeah. lecherous old men. And you have these fat guys with Ron Jeremy mustaches. You have old women, and they're all just staring at just them. And you have Alice, who's like, oh, now we're having fun. Hey, swimming. What the hell's your problem? She's like, everybody's staring at us. Like, this isn't right. Like, I, I want to go home. Like, logically, yes, go to fuck home. Like, there's nothing for you to do well, here. Pack the RV up and go home. Especially after what you've been through, it's like, okay, look, let's just go home, you know. And, yeah, you know, things were bad. Let's just go home. So, you know, if if things, like, your opinion, King, with the note that was involved, if they had gone and followed Kelly's advice and just packed up and went home, do you think things would have been left alone? Yes, I definitely do. Because that whole point of that room note was to say, be silent. Be silent about what you saw. Or else you're going to suffer. You're going to die if you're not silent about this. If you just leave it alone now, this is your out. Like this is your, this is us saying, if you just leave now and never come back, you're going to be fine. But if you continue on this path, we're going to have to punish you. So yeah, Kelly's okay. saying, I want to go the fuck home right now. Let's go. And everybody's kind of in agreement of, yeah, you know what? She's probably right. We probably should go home. It's Frank being the stubborn-headed person that he is, saying, you know what, this is probably isn't even a problem at this point. We went to the cops. You know, they're going to figure it out. We have a fucking skiing trip mm-hmm. to go on. We need to move forward and forget this and enjoy our vacation. Mm-hmm. Enough about the witchcraft. Enough about yeah. the occult. Mm-hmm. But he's moving mm-hmm. forward when he should be going yeah. back. Mm-hmm. And that's his fatal flaw. Hey, true. And, and they have a plan of once they get to Amarillo, you know, R- Roger has his blood sample that he snuck from the cops, like we said earlier, mm-hmm. and they're going to take it to there and get it checked out and, you know, have it checked out about whether that is human blood or animal blood. Because, again, the local cops are saying it's just animal blood, and their plan is, if, you know, again, you know, they're being, you know, manly 70s guys now, Roger and Frank, and it's like, and if big city cops say it's human blood and then backwood cops say it's animal blood, then we know something's going and we're going to nail them. And it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like that, that, that yeah, is the see, I don't even think that you know, Roger was like that. I don't even think Roger was – like I think that Frank was more like you were saying, the manly man. You know, what's nailed these fuckers with this blood? You know, Roger was perfectly okay with going home. He's like, my wife wants to go home. Let's go home. You know, I mean that's just the long and the short of it. Frank's the one who goes, no, fuck this. We're going to go on. We're going to go to Amarillo. Yeah. We're going to nail these people. Then we're going to go skiing. Nothing could happen yeah. to us now. We're going to be okay. Yeah, and that's when you get introduced <laughs> to fake Bruce Campbell and Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, oh my Henderson. god! 
Hey, yeah. how y'all doing? Anybody want margaritas? Am I right, guys? Vacation, sweet yeah. RV. It's, 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 yeah. Is this the new Vogue? I haven't seen one of these. I, me personally, I've got a Roadmaster over there. You know, <laughs> but it's not like this. The inside of mine is all wood, but yours looks all plastic. And then they're going around, opening all the cabinets, checking out the inside of the RV, you know, opening the fucking microwave and shit like that, going, oh, look, <laughs> microwave. <laughs> oh, look at the oven over here. Opening everything up, being annoying <laughs> as fuck. You know, and then they're like, ooh, let's go check out the bedroom. And then, you know, <clears throat> there's Roger and Kelly. He's like, oops, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> But they, you know, the Hendersons right. come off as so innocuous and fun that it's like there's just no way that they could be a part of anything. You know, they're just two – they're a couple, and they like to make drinks, and they're inviting us out to dinner. And let's just go yeah. have some fun because yeah. they seem to have but good intentions. I, but I, I, I like the, the, the odd moment, though, between uh, Roger and Mr. Henderson – uh, I mean, not Roger Frank and Mr. Henderson. Where all of a sudden, you know, we start talking about the RVs, and it becomes a okay, you know, who's got the biggest dick competition? Well, you know, mine's got mm-hmm. wood, and mine's got plastic. Mine's got this kind of motor. You know, mine does this. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you know, boys with their toys. You know, and you have those moments. You know, we've all been there. We've all been part of it. You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah. I I, I, <laughs> yeah. I just found it funny. Oh, of course, and it's one of those things where at night. They go to a honky tonk, you know, with the Hendersons, and you know the band's playing, and they're all drinking, having a good time, and you know, it's you have this moment where they could just say that they're on vacation going to Aspen, but they instead decide to bring up the occult and witchcraft yes. to these two people that they just fucking met. They're strangers to you. You don't know who they are. Kelly's already afraid that everybody's onto them, but you're gonna take it up with these yeah. these two people that you just met and say, oh yeah, we were attacked by Satanists. And it's crazy. Yeah, and yeah. they were a part of witchcraft. But then on top of that, you know, Frank being Frank, you know, <clears throat> blabs out their entire plan of how they have plans to go to Armarillo to get the blood checked out. You know, telling these complete strangers their exact plan of where they're going to be going on the road trip, what they're doing, instead of going, you know, hey, yeah, you know, we're just on vacation, we're doing our thing. You know, let's just have some drinks and have a good time. You know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the fight breaks out, and they're like, oh, first one of the night? Yay! Like, you know, it's like, how do you know this is the first one of the night? <laughs> You're supposed to be vacationing too, right, Henderson? So how do you know if there's fights that break out in this bar every night? Like, it's, it, again, it's one of those things where you're like, well, who are they? You know, what, what you know, why do they know if there's fights all the time in this bar? That's what because I come from. They, I'm like, no, okay, they know? okay. It, well, well, in that defense, though, they have been there before because they've been staying there a couple of days because they said okay. they did because they did say you know hey let's take you to a place where the beer is nice and cold the steaks won't melt in your mouth you know let's just go you know go there out to dinner and it'll be a good time so they've been there before you know is what they tell them okay so that so so that's probably why they did it is you know tourists out there having a good time hey let's watch the, the locals get into a fight. All right, honey. Right. First one of the night. Yeah. And I fucking love it. Yeah. I, I, oh, oh my God. The entire bar. Even it, the girl was, gets into the fight. I love the girl. <laughs> Throw yes. punches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just because it, it uh, the whole thing was just such a Smokey and the Bandit kind of moment of oh, yeah. bar fight. You know, uh, 
you know, people not breaking chairs over each other's backs. You know, it it was just it it, it was great because, you know, again, gr- growing up in the '80s, you grew up on those '70s kind of movies where you always had the grand bar fights that would just pop out of nowhere, and it was great that they threw one in there. You know, just a honky tonk bar fight. <laughs> yeah. And you have Kelly and Alice, Frank, and, and Roger leaving that bar after that fight going, yeah, we're, we're good. We're just going to go to bed. You know, it's too much for us. And when they get back to the RV park, Ginger has been killed, and she's been nailed to that RV door. And it's been pried open what? by wires. And But the funny thing they is, is that, that dog, dog, that's not a prop. That's an actual dog what? that sedated for that scene. Get the and they hung it upside here. down. Yep. 70s, <laughs> monkey. 70s. So, yeah. That was a dog that they sedated and they hung upside down. They, they, they drugged Ginger? <laughs> yeah. They drugged the dog and they hung it upside down when it fell asleep so that they could see the effect of it uh, being hung by the door. So they didn't want to use a prop. So they wanted to use the actual dog. No, because the whole time it's going, I was like, oh, uh, you know, I was like, oh my god, that's a really good prop dog. Holy shit, it looks so real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was. It was the actual dog. <laughs> they hung up. They just gave it a couple, Holy you know, uh, sedatives and yeah, hung it upside down. And the dog was fine. Didn't die. <laughs> you know, it ended up being fine. But yeah, they wanted to get it to be as realistic as possible. And of course, you have the whole crowd coming out to look at what's going on. Did somebody see yeah, anything? Of course. Come on. Somebody yeah, had to see and, them pry this door open. Well, that's when Roger sees that um, the door wasn't just pried open. The the lock was smashed in with, <clears throat> with an ice pick. Yeah, with a chisel. So it's not like this could have been quiet. You know, he's like, did any of you fuckers see anything? And, they, and everyone's just standing around in, in their <laughs> nightgowns just like, nope, nope. <laughs> Everyone yeah. quiet. Not not a yes, not a no, just quiet. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what like, you know, you have Kelly mourning the, the dog's death. And of course Roger's being sympathetic and he's sorry I and mean, he loved the dog too. But then she's like, No, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm gonna be okay and he goes, Well we'll bury it in the morning. She's like, Stop talking about that I'm like, Roger dude. She goes, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. I love it when they leave the RV park. <laughs> they almost run over <laughs> half of them in the crowd. Get the hell out of the way! Yeah. Like, we're out of here. Yep, yeah, they they have made up their mind. They're getting the fuck out of there now. Like, you know, they've had enough of this shit that things are going from bad to worse. You know, and they're like, no, we're getting the fuck out. We're getting back on the road, and, you know, we're getting our asses to our Amarillo, you know, because we're going to do this shit. And yeah, like you yeah. said, you know, we're working their way through the trailer park. Almost ran down a couple old ladies that were just standing around on the road. But you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, so um, Frank's getting kind of tired, <laughs> so, so he has Allison. You know, if he, he, she can make him some coffee. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. She goes course. to open up the cabinet. To, she goes. So she opens up the cabinet to get some Sanka, and lo and behold, <laughs> there's, a, there's a fucking rattlesnake in there. And it comes lunging out at her. Yeah. Oh my god! And it's yeah. And this fucker is huge. This thing's like fucking five feet long. Well, yeah. Not one but and, two. There's two and, rattlesnakes. Well, the, no, because the, the, yeah, because they do the first one and then the second one comes out and lunges out at Frank, 
And then he said, oh, shit, there's two of them. And now they're running, the, like, <laughs> yeah, Frank's the whole trying to drive this. Yeah, yeah, Frank's driving <laughs> this thing, you know, and he's busy yelling, what's going on? What's going on? Meanwhile, Roger, Alice, and Kelly are fitting off giant fucking rattlesnakes <laughs> with ski poles, you know. <laughs> and it's just at one time, like, I, I, like, like I just want Roger one time to yell. I just want these motherfucking snakes off my motherfucking RV. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and we knew so... Frank crashing into a tree, and he's like, "Fuck it, I got the ski poles, motherfucking snakes," and it bites on his paint leg, and he's trying to fight it off with the ski pole. Obviously, yeah. even though it's a seventy-five, it can't show you any kill shots, so he has to very meticulously put this ski pole right next to the snake, and it's like, "Oh, it's dead." <laughs> yep, killed it. <laughs> You know, you have yeah, Roger see, swinging because, the fucking snake around like a lasso. Yeah, because <laughs> – yeah, it's just because I was expecting one scene to be like, okay, because uh, when um, uh, Frank had the one pinned on the oven, I was expecting him to cut on the oven and like cook that motherfucking snake while holding it. And I was expecting something like that. Nope. We we just get another fucking five minutes of wailing and flailing yeah. with, with these fucking rattlesnakes. Oh my Bruce Campbell be proud. Bruce Campbell been like, yep, this is why I want to make movies. Because <laughs> this is great. Um, but, but, yeah, after but that, they dispatch, yeah. they, did, they dispatch the snakes and they throw them out the door, you know, hoping they're dead. <laughs> And then everyone immediately steps out of the RV where they just threw the snakes. <laughs> yeah. so again, and again, yeah, hope you guys actually killed damage. them. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. And this RV is just being beat to shit. And the uh, and the next day after the dog is buried, you have Frank fixing it. And again, he's a good guy. He knows exactly what to do. He's like, it's a thirty minute job. I could fix this real quick. Just get the toolkit. Oh shit, the motorcycle's been fucked up too. Tires oh, are flashed again. Okay. They've been cut. Oh, so, yeah. man. Somebody fucked with our bikes. Okay. 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 Rewind because uh, we know that you don't like things happening to dogs in movies. We we know. This. Right. I want to ask you, yeah. how did you feel about this? How did you feel about this scene about the dog dying? Even in this movie, I didn't mind it too much because, again, with me, there has to be a connection with the dog, you know, for me to care okay. about it when it dies. And I never felt right. like there was a big connection to Ginger and Kelly and Roger and Frank and Alice. It was just kind of there. You know, this dog it was just kind of barks every now and then. It's just kind of there. So I never really had a connection it, where when you see it nailed to the door, I'm like, oh, no. Like, I was like, oh, okay. that sucks. They killed the dog. Okay. See, and, like, and it was there, and it had this weird-ass um, Satan sense. Where you could tell when Satanists yeah. were nearby mm-hmm. because every because every, anytime someone a member of the cult was around, she would start barking. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like 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 you are with dogs, okay? Like mm-hmm. this is why I was asking is because we have this scene of Roger walking around to the back of the RV and he's like, "Oh, Frank, Frank," and then it's like we have this awful awful sight. Of just these two beautiful bikes, fucking mutilated. Oh, yeah. oh, man! It's just the gas tanks were gouged, the seats were ripped up, the t- the tires were cut all to hell, the um the spokes were ripped out. 
uh, carburetors were ripped off. I I was really upset about this scene, dude. I was like, <laughs> I knew you would I, was like, I was like, he's yeah, probably like, crying right now. His bike's throwing up. Yeah, I was like, man, fuck with the RV, but don't mess with the bike. I mean, take the bike. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just take them. Yeah, just take them. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to sit there and mutilate the bikes. That's just fucking wrong. They were just strapped down. You could have just taken them. You know, but no, you had to be mean and fucking mutilate these poor little things that did nothing to you, okay? <laughs> but you didn't do anything to deserve that. It's fucking wrong. No. But it, it, it leads to them going into a shop where they decide, you know, we have to arm ourselves. Like, these Satanists mean fucking business. I'm going to go ahead and buy a shotgun because we have to arm ourselves, and we never know when they're going to come out. So we're going to go to the store, buy a shotgun, buy some shells. The guy's like, I hope you come back now. I'm like, yeah, we're really going to come back to this fucking store. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> Thanks for the but, shotgun. Yeah, and again, because it's the 70s, yeah, just happens to be, you know, gun store slash convenience store where it's like, you know, it's where you can get your beer and your guns and your ammo yeah. all in one all in one convenient location. That's awesome. And we know you can get beer here because there's an old man there beforehand telling a joke to the, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just too long. Like, what will it be, fellas? It. See you <laughs> later. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I'm going to go drink it's like, What will it be, boys? 9 a.m. What will it be, boys? Six, six pack of Lone Star? <laughs> yeah. Nope. I need a shotgun. <laughs> All right. What kind <laughs> do you want? Because <laughs> I got this kind. I got that kind. I got this kind. You know, it's like, all right. <laughs> and then yeah, shotgun. That's what works. <laughs> yep. <laughs> shotgun, two cases of ammo. <laughs> uh, total came to two twenty-seven ninety-five. <laughs> oh, gotta love the seventies. And if he didn't cash, just whipped out yep. that that roll of cash. <laughs> you know, paid for it. Um. So you have that scene, and you also have Roger in that same store trying to make a phone call, and the phone's out of order, and he's like, oh, yeah, the winds came through and knocked all the lines down. Yep, don't know when that's going to be fixed. And he's like, all right, well, fuck, guess we're going to have to go to another gas station to gas up the RV. Mm. And that's where you get our cameo from the director, Jack Starrett, playing the gas oh. station attendant that gasses him up and uh, looks at them all kind of creepily, like, eh, I know what you guys are. Oh, so the oh, so the one that was actually doing the gas and checking the tires and all that—that that was the director. Yeah, that was Jack Star. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, so you have our director and well. yeah, yeah, and they go in there and you know he has his phone inside. He goes, "Yep, phone's inside," and checks out the phone. He's able to place the call, but he can't be heard on the phone. The phone Hello? lines work. Hello, operator. Hello. <laughs> can't hear you on this line. I'll report it as dead. Meanwhile, there's an old woman in the background just peeling potatoes like Leatherface's mom. Yeah, yeah, creepy-ass old fucking woman just sitting in a rocking chair like just with like the you know, the most somber of looks on her face. Just standing there like just peeling potatoes for no fucking reason at all. Just, god damn it. Scary as shit, you old woman. (laughs) Doesn't say a fucking thing. Just, Just looks at him. (laughs) <laughs> it just goes back mm-hmm. to doing her potatoes. Oh man, I was like, I was expecting something of like her to like you know just watch him as he walks out the door or a, you know some kind of smile on her face. Nope, just yeah, no idea why she's there. Maybe that's the director's. No, <laughs> it could be. Who knows? 
Um, but the scene coming up, this is the one that I was really excited to hear your thoughts on because this is our first kind of chase sequence of the movie where they're being boxed in by all these cars and, holy shit, they're trying to drive us off the road. And then you have the gas station attendant from earlier jumping onto their RV, banging on the window with his fucking teeth all missing, and it's like, oh, shit, he's a part of this shit. But I was one of the thoughts because this is a classic 1975 chase. Real cars, real stuntmen. It's a hell of a scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we start to get into all of this, I'm having a great time with this because I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, this is where this is going. Because you didn't tell me that there's going to be car chases in this movie, and hey, we get the car chases. Well, I did not. And man, and man, these are some good car chases. It's like we're talking about 70 stunt cars with uh, stunt suspensions where you can tell they are because uh, because all of a sudden now everything's riding really really soft. Like everything's really really bouncy on the suspensions because we're talking about stunt suspensions. So when things go around the turns, you know, th- there's a whole lot of extra leaning in the body of the vehicles because everything's so soft and everything can, t- you know, make those turns. We got this shit going on, you know, of them boxing in. But at the same time, it's like I was just uh, pissed off because they've got the fucking shotgun, but they're wasting the fucking shots. Because if you have a box truck right next to you, why are you trying to shoot into the fucking box of the box truck? It's like, shoot yep. to the cab. You know, you're a fucking mechanic. We know you know how to fucking fix engines, you know, <laughs> so you ought to know how to break them. You know, you know if you want to take down a vehicle, you don't shoot it <laughs> in the mo- <laughs> e- easiest part. Shoot it in the fucking engine. Shoot it in the cab. Do some fucking damage. It's like, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, it's, I, I, this entire scene, like, I was enjoying the stunts, but at the same time, I was laughing my fucking ass off just because apparently this RV has no seatbelts anywhere in it except for the two <laughs> front seats. No. <laughs> yeah, that's because, it. <laughs> no, just because Roger, he's belted in. He's good, but Frank Ellis and Kelly, they're rolling around all over the back of that RV like a fucking sack of potatoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every time they fucking get hit, you know, it's like a bad episode of Star Trek. Everyone go to this side. Okay. Everyone go to the <laughs> other side. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and Meanwhile, you, Allison you, can... you, oh, go, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. I know. And then Allison Kelly, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah, and Alice and Kelly are just rolling around and just screaming their fucking heads off. And it's like, would you just oh. shut the fuck up? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah gr- uh, again, great stunts where we're having some old school Dukes of Hazard shit going on of, you know, dirt, oh, dirt yeah. road racing, uh, dirt road stunts, uh, cars rolling and flipping. You know, so I, I'm digging it, man. I'm, I'm having a great time with this first batch. But I, and I, this I, is what I'm I was happy. excited to talk about. Yeah, and I'm happy because you're happy. This was just an yeah. this was just an appetizer, you know. This is yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. This is like again. This is why I was so excited to about this because this is like okay. If for most movies, this would be like the end chase. Like this is it. We're gonna yeah. get it and we're gonna move on to the final scene. No, this is like the appetizer, like you just said. This is like this is a taste of what's gonna come because once they escape that little pit of where they are on the road, they get to a school bus accident. Where you have all these people running <laughs> up on the road, you have all these kids that are standing around, and they're like, oh shit, there's a, a, a school bus accident. We're going to have to go around this somehow, and I guess wait. And then you have Frank. Oh, I love this scene. He's like, that's a school bus, but there ain't no school on Sunday. 
Yeah. Because there's a little bit, because there is a bus that's on the side of the road, and then there's a car that's T-boned into it. And on the side, on both sides of the road are all these children running and playing, not hurt. They're running and playing, which <laughs> yeah. is why, you know, he's like, well, no kids are hurt. And there ain't no school on Sunday. And like you said, he guns it through this crowd of cars, like through the kids. It's like, fuck this. No, no. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not today, keeps, Satan. Keeps, Not today. And, and he just keeps on rolling, man. And as they get through. And the second through, act of his car shape. Or they're going yes. back to it. Yeah, and this time, though, I re- was really feeling um, – Excuse me, the the mad the road warrior vibes here because now we have the whole classic thing of cars going down the road and now we have cars coming on both sides. We've got the cool stunts of people jumping from one moving vehicle to another. Right. You know, we're we're, we're not mm-hmm. you know these are actual vehicles actually moving. You know, going on crawling onto the back of the RV now. You know, they're up there. They're you know they're ripping away parts of the RV trying to get inside. Um, Poor one, one dude. In there. Yeah, one one dude has uh th- these um I- Indian water uh Native American water skins full of gasoline mm-hmm. strapped to him. So again, fucking road warrior here, baby. All right, so yeah, you know, no one let him match around this motherfucker because he's in there. <laughs> he's pouring gasoline in there. Um, Loretta switched like, oh my god, it's gasoline. So <clears throat> Roger <laughs> climbs out of the moving RV. With the shotgun, climb on top to take care of business, knocking motherfuckers off the RV. So, again, we're having bodies come off. You know, they're going there. And then (laughs) he makes his way to the roof where the dude is trying to pour the gasoline, and he's trying to climb up. But then (laughs) Frank gives warning to Roger that there's a bridge coming up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's Jack Starrs, the director. That was the gas station attendant on that rooftop. With Peter Fonda. When he says, look out, that bridge is coming, and he ducks down, and that gas station kind of gets it, and you have a very clear dummy <laughs> standing on the oh, road with yes. his arms stuck in the air. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, okay, so, so you caught that, too. <laughs> yeah, after it falls off, mm-hmm. his arms are, and, le- and legs are still sticking up in the air. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, you, you almost got away with it. If you just loosened the joints on the almost. dummy, it would have been cool. <laughs> But what's great but, is that you know, like, towards the conclusion of this car chase, they're on the bridge, and they bump into the one uh, pickup truck that's going to go over the, the bridge, and it immediately explodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even crashed in the yeah. water. It burst into flames. I'm like, wow, 70s, I love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the, 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 the primer was set too early on that charge, <laughs> and it exploded oh, too early. But uh, our boy on the roof left his water skin. So Roger... <laughs> takes the water skins and starts <laughs> lighting them and throwing them off the top of the RV at these cars. And it's just, oh, my God. Um, there's this one gray sedan that was behind them. And there, it, it, ex- explosion went under the roof. Uh, it happened under the engine compartment. The, and 
Sorry, I have to talk about this one specific car because oh, yeah, go ahead. It, it, expl- it, it exploded under the engine, car swerved off the road, and then it literally did like seven fucking flips, like old school NASCAR <laughs> shit, man. I was like, oh, like I was so impressed with this fucking trick like, just because it's like, you know, man, this dude fucking nailed it. Like explosion, went off the road, hit, 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 hit the hidden ramp at the right time and just caused this motherfucker to just flip and flip. And flip and flip. You know, it's like you know, if it was if if it was Ricky Bobby, we could have had time for a Chili's commercial in the middle of it. But um, <laughs> but it's just it's, but but that specific wreck was just so fucking good. I was so happy with that one wreck. It was great. And then it's like, okay, you know, this portion of that car chase is over. Yeah, you know, we're done. You know, we've defeated the Satanists as far as we know. So we're just going to keep on driving. But then they run into construction on the road. And it's like, all right, well, you know, I see a, a, a sign on that truck, and it says Fisher Department of Works. So there's no way these are going to be Satanists. No, yeah. no way. Well, this is fine. Yeah, every, 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 I, I, like, went back and paused that scene, and it wasn't just the truck. Everything says Fisher Construction on it. The road sign said it. The truck said it. Um, the vest on the people said it. You know, so – and they're and they're at this point now where they are definitely gun shy. They're definitely trying to be cautious because while one's driving, the other one is now looking ahead with oh yeah the yeah. binoculars reading ahead before they get to it. You know, so they're they're actually trying to play it safe now and be smart. And what they see is they think is official people. So they ask, you know, which way is the way to Amarillo? They ask one of the construction workers that are there, and he says, you know. Yeah, like it's another um, 85 miles straight down this road. Right. We'll get you onto the highway, which will get you, you know, to to Fisher and to Amarillo. You know, so they say, "All right, cool, thanks." You know, and they're working their way down. <clears throat> well, and, and I want to interject again, real quick. I, oh yeah, go ahead. I want to interject real quick. Is that would, at this point, being in this RV with these people, would you trust that at all? I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust anything that I'm seeing right now because we just saw that school bus. So why is this going to be any different? Like, why is this construction, even though it has official lettering on all the trucks, I'm not trusting this at all. I'm still going around. I'm still going, fuck you, Satanist, and driving straight through because I don't trust anybody at this point. But they do. They figure these people can't be a part of this. They have to be real fucking workers. But we're also talking about from the point that they started driving and uh, that morning to where they are now was 128 miles to where they got to right there, okay? Yeah. So mm-hmm. how – so, you know, how far would this fucking go? You know, is it may, right. also maybe yeah. what you're thinking, you know, because, we, you know, when they've made it to – you know, they're 120 miles away from where they were, um, you know, and, and now they see official stuff. But me personally, I'm like you. At this point, I'll be paranoid as fuck <laughs> about everything. And yeah, I would yep. just be driving straight through through that shit. But no, you yeah. know, they t- they take it because, you know, they're like another 85 miles down that way is going to get you to the highway to Amarillo. Yeah, so they and go. And it's such a depressing thing too, though, when you see that thing when they go through, where he's like, it's like another 85 whatever miles, and they're like, okay, we're in the final uh-huh. stretch, guys. We're going to get to Amarillo. But there's something about this scene that really kind of depresses me, even now watching it going, there's nothing around. Like, this is just a lone stretch of highway with nothing but trees around. Like, there's no buildings, there's no gas stations, 
Like it's desolate, and it's yeah. just it's creepy. Yeah, to know that there's nothing yeah. around. And I was thinking the same thing too, is because as they pull up to the construction, they were still in decent traffic. You know, there was still traffic yeah. both ways. You know, but now, yeah, there's nothing. You know, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, but unfortunately, th- things are coming to a head because they've got to pull over because. After all this chaos that ensued on the highway with, uh, you know, all of this awesome Mad Max stunt action, they're left without any headlights, and they have to pull over. Right. You know, they, me personally, I would be like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, so oh, we're yeah. going to keep yep. driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, especially since last night was a full moon, you know, Yeah. so we know we at least have moonlight. So, you know, we we can do this. But, you know, them, they got to pull off because they've got no lights. So, they, you know, they find a safe place to pull off, <clears throat> you know, random place off the highway. They see a road. They pull off. They pull well off the road so they can't be seen. They, uh, you know, and, you know, they're going to just they think they're fine. do it there they for think the night. They think they're safe. Like, yeah. like, we're fine. Well, they when th- we escaped everything. We're going to be okay. Like, yeah. You know, you have Roger saying, I'm going to make some dry martinis, and we're just going to listen to the radio, and we'll wait until morning. Like, there's, we're fine. Like, we're going to be okay. We're going to survive well, this. And it's, yeah, well, go ahead. And, that, and, the and that's, that's, yeah, but that's why they thought they were fine, though, is because also when they cut on the radio, they find out that there's a signal coming from Amarillo. And they're like, yeah. holy shit. Oh, my God, we're almost there. You know, and, um, you know, so they start to make the martinis, and yeah, this, this fucked with me, dude. They, oh my god, this yeah. fucked with me. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to wait walk into the ending because I wanted to get your opinion. I've seen this movie. You have it's, Yeah, it's it's just you know they're starting to make the martinis, and then you start hearing the chanting outside, and you just see these lines of people in black robes coming up, and you see and who do we see in the yeah, that's what I'm getting at, man. And then in these people, you see the sheriff, you see the deputy, you see that the Hendersons are fucking there. Gas, you know, uh, creepy gas station guy is there. Um, you know, fucking redneck mechanic guy is there. Apparently he got out of the river because he's back again. You know, every, yeah. everyone, everyone that you saw in the movie is there. Everyone that you saw, everyone that interacted with, everyone they told their fucking plan to is there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they circle around the and they circle around the RV and things start to happen in slow motion. I'm like, holy shit, it's you know, what's happening inside the cab is just panicky mo- moments uh in the RV going to slow motion. And then um they light they light a ring of fire around the RV and then cut the black. <laughs> yep. Free and I was like, wait, wh- yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Really? That, that's the end? I was like, really? Yeah. That's, and I was like, no. And that, like, that's what I'm asking myself Like, as soon as it's done. But then literally like a minute later, I was like, Holy fuck, that was an awesome ending. Oh my god, that was so fucking awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of the creepiest endings for a movie ever for me. Is the fact that you feel like they're done, like they're fine, they're going to make it out, they have the Amarillo broadcast. And then when that slow motion hits, 
and that chanting is becoming louder and louder, and you see all these people that you saw in the movie before now with Satanists, and that ring of fire encapsulates the RV, but you also see the lights in the RV illuminating outwards, and then they just cut, knowing that's it. They're done. Like, they are not surviving. Like, they are dead. Yeah. They're going to be taken, and they're going to be sacrificed. It's chilly. Yeah. It's one of my favorite endings ever. Oh, yeah. It's like a, a, after that was done, it's like I was just writing on such a high of excitement just because of what a shocking end that is to a movie. It, it just especially in this genre that, you know, so many people try to give horror movies a happy ending. And we say it all the time. It's not necessary. It's okay to have a scary, bad ending. You know, and yeah. I fucking loved it. That's it, and I love that. That's exactly what they did here. Oh my god, it was so fucking awesome. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that you liked it. Race of the Devil from '75, one of those top movies that I always tell people you have to see because it's got everything. It's got car chases. It's got horror. It's got Satanists. Peter Fonda, Warren Oates, Loretta Swift, Loretta Parker. Like, it's such a perfect movie, and it's a movie that you can even show to kids. Because it's not so scary where they're going to have nightmares, but it's just a fun movie, you know, with, with practical effects and everything at hand. Um, so next week is the goals pick, and he's not here, uh, but he decided he wanted to make a pick, and he's picking from, I believe, I want to say real quick, uh, the year. Uh, 2015, Crimson Peak, directed by Guillermo del Toro. So that is our pick for next week. Um, okay. that I'm looking forward to talking about but so that's his pick for next week so as we close out uh, Monkey why don't you hit us with the plug that the ghoul normally gives us <laughs> alright so to uh, make a happy ghoul and sit there and ma- make a happy sponsor because we happen to be sponsored by Bonfire to Be Bonfire Be Designs on, on Facebook and Etsy um, feel free to check out the Etsy page for uh, pieces that have already been made. If you want a custom piece, she can do that too. Give her the time, give her the money, talk to her. She's open to negotiations, and you can have your very own custom pieces <laughs> through her. You want a unique gift? <laughs> Go see Bonfire B Designs. All right. And again, you buy from her, then she's happy. She makes the ghoul happy, and then that makes us happy because we got to deal with the happy ghoul. Circle of life, people. Let's keep it rolling. All right. Moving on. <laughs> All right. All right, thank you so much, Monkey, for joining me tonight. Our first episode of 2020 with many more to go. We kicked it off with Race for the Devil. Next week we go into Crimson Peak territory. Go ahead and sign yourself off. All right, again, thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Happy New Talking Terror. And I'm the Mad Monkey saying thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. <laughs> and as always, I'm your old pal, the King Har and G, <clears throat> saying thank you for listening. Hail Satan. Hail Odorous. Hail yourselves, motherfuckers. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>